You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Look at you. Got it right again. Again. I'm on a roll. Who are you today? Um, I'm Tom, the co-host. Oh, we're not Tom the Bomb this week? Oh, well, you know, that's just... You're always the Bomb. That's like my last name. You're always the Bomb. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, I thought one of my uh, team members from Alabama might pop in, and so... Is that why you locked the door? Yeah. (laughs) I told him to call me before he came. And he's the one who gave me, I shouldn't, I know I'm going to regret this, I know I'm going to regret it, but I'll do it anyway, because he's going to say it when he comes. But he's the one who gave me the nickname Mother Goose, (laughs) and they're all my little gooselings. And I'm like, wow. I haven't heard that nickname. Oh, oh yeah. Mother Goose is the Mm. name Susan's called by the team in Alabama. All right. Yeah, but... (laughs) I'll I will. try to file that away. <laughs> yeah, no, no. What is it you have? I have dementia. What? Do you, and I'm gonna have chemo brain sometime in the future. But what do you have? Mad cow. Mad disease. cow disease. That's it. <laughs> That's right. So you won't remember anything. That's right. anyway. <laughs> well, first things first. Yes. We have our softball tournament January seventh. Yes. I was officially approved this morning. For the liquor license. This is scary. This is scary. A, a retired uh, motor cop gets a liquor license. I know. There, you know, that's got to be the beginning of a joke somewhere. Yeah, or the beginning of the end. Oh, that's true. Right. <laughs> um, but we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Santan Ford. They're always a good... Um, our platinum that, That's true. And they're a great support for first responders Absolutely. here in the... East Valley. Well, yes. West Valley, too. Sure. If they you want can to drive come over. over. Absolutely. It's not that far. Good. But according to the West Valley, you got to get a party bus to come all the I way. I know. Yeah. 45 minutes to right. the East Valley. Yeah. Crazy people. But go see Santan Ford. They're a great dealership. Uh, good inventory. So, And my son just bought an F-250, not from them because he's in Alabama, Alabama yeah. but you know, it's a nice truck. So you need to go see them at Santan Ford and see if they can hook you up with one of these Hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, let them know that under the shield sent you. See if you can get a discount. Please do. Tell probably them. probably won't get one, but <laughs> tell them donate a little more. <laughs> yeah, and then I had my little biopsy this week of that lesion and thought it was one place. What did I know? Found out it was thought someplace it was different. Else. Yeah, and you know they, the you know if you're if there are any doctors or radiologists out there listening. Don't tell your patient what you're fixing to do to them <laughs> when it involves a drill, <laughs> the bone in your spine, <laughs> and removing something. Because I was like, he goes, yeah, we're just going to take this little drill, and I'm picturing a drill out of my garage, uh-huh. you know. Right. And I'm like, why are you telling me this? It's not like I'm going to help you. Right. I, I don't need no Just this. knock me out. Knock me I'm out. good. Do your job. And, and I told him, I said, let me explain something to you. You, you better get what you need. <laughs> now that you told me a drill is involved, we ain't doing this twice. He said, well, now pathology might want to, I don't care what pathology. Yeah, you better wants. take enough. You better, you better get it all this time. <laughs> so yeah, so that's behind me. Hallelujah. Maybe we can actually get a chemo schedule. Or just a schedule. Wouldn't that Whatever be Whatever nice? it is. <laughs> well, we've had them. They just kept changing. But yeah. Yeah. yeah it'd be almost nice. Almost daily. Uh, almost hourly. Yeah. So I'm excited about today's guest. This is an old friend, and I don't mean old age other than he and I both are old, but <laughs> but I think we look pretty good. And let me tell you something, those 50 pounds down, cancer's looking damn good on me, buddy. <laughs> I just want oh, you to know. you're going to get me excited. Be I, careful. I wear it well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till she has her multicolored wigs. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the wigs are coming. Hey, you were telling me you were following me on Facebook. Did you see all the Phoenix guys helping me buy wigs? Oh yeah, I did see that. As a matter of fact, I there, did see. That. There will be a and wig, I said, and I said, "What is going on?" Here? <laughs> there will be wig shopping too coming up. We're going to have a sequel to that one. So just wait. And we'll have one for every mood I have. So when clients walk in, they can go, whoa, I think I'll reschedule. <laughs> Today's not the day. <laughs> but Moose, how far back do we go? Well, I was trying to think about that. And, um, you know, I, 
when I first spoke at Auburn University after the tragic murder, which we'll, we'll talk about, but that seems maybe 2009. But I think we met before that because you're forgetting I worked with the prototype FFDO class. Oh, no, it's true. And were you in that prototype class? I went through class? that training in 2005 okay. is when I went through that training uh, with the feds. So maybe it was. So it, it had to be before. back then. Yeah, because I started. Yeah, it, it, it goes back a long time. It does. And then, of course, we stayed in touch when I was um, all those years in FedEx when I was doing FFDO stuff. So. Yep, flying all over the world and never knew where Moose was, but he was somewhere. No, my wife didn't know where I was. Nobody <laughs> knew where I was. I'm not sure you knew where you were. No, I didn't have the time. That's probably too safe. <laughs> but tell us about you, your background. I know you were military. We want to hear all about it. Yeah, I, you know, and, I, and you give me the high sign, Tom, when you think I bloviated too much. Uh, <laughs> you Air Force guys, whatever. Yeah, so uh, I went into the I went in the Air Force with my twin brother, and we both oh, went right. through ROTC at Auburn University. Which uh, <laughs> the guy out there, where's yeah. that roll tide button? <laughs> so, uh, so we went, we both went to uh, to Auburn on the GI Bill because our father had been killed on active duty, uh, and one of your last guests that talked about his father got killed in an aircraft accident, mm -hmm. and our father uh, was a fighter pilot in World War II, and then was killed uh, when we were six or seven, and so uh, when my mother we moved to Nashville, Tennessee from Ohio, uh, and then we found out we could go to Auburn on the GI Bill, which we did. ROTC was mandatory, as it was in Alabama and India Land Grant University back in that day. And so we both went to flight school together, and we both became fighter pilots. And um, so I did – Pat got out after four or five years after Vietnam, and I stayed in for 20. Wow. And had you. a great time. And I flew F-4s. I flew uh, two tours in F-4s and two tours in the F-15. I was in I was in Langley, Virginia, um, twice flying F-15s. Uh, and then I was in the Philippines flying F-4s in California flying F-4s as a, an F-4 instructor. A true adrenaline junkie there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then and then when I got out of the service, um, I worked I worked in Nashville with my brother-in-law for eight or nine years. And then uh, I decided I need to fly again. So I bought two <laughs> airplanes and started a flight school uh, and did that for about a year. And then I uh, got a call and said, how come you're not flying for FedEx? from a guy that I had flown F-4s with 15 years earlier. Wow. So I went to uh, to FedEx in 2002, and then around 2003 or 2004, they said, we need pilots to carry weapons and be part of the Air Marshal Service. Mm -hmm. So um, I became part of that, you know, you, you put in, you volunteer for it, you pay your own way, you go to a flight <laughs> on your own. And I call it shoot and fight school. And, and I, I had a blast. And I went to shoot and fight school in New Mexico. And then when I came out of there, I went to Israel and studied with the Israelis on predictive profiling. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's their key. In fact, if you, um, w when you ask them, uh, and they'll tell you that. Profile, profiling, when you say the word profiling in the United States, you think racial right off the bat. That's everybody's zoned in on that. Yep. Cops and, and people that have been trained properly know it's behavior that, that is, is what exactly it's what identifies the bad the problem. So the Israelis, their their definite their Hebrew translation of profiling is called intelligence. And that's <laughs> what they call it. They said we don't call it it's not racial. So I went over there and learned from them. Um and meanwhile, I started studying Krav Maga, and I did that for 10 years. Uh, I had a black belt already from Korea because I spent a year with the Army uh, in Korea as a ground fac. Uh, so and the reason I'm sharing all this is I went to the Korean Army Ranger School. I got a black belt while I was in Korea, and then I got out and started studying Krav Maga. Then I went to Israel, and then I went to shoot and fight school, and all of a sudden, I have this – my head's about to explode. I've got so much knowledge. And – and the truth is, it all started back with my flying career because, you know, in the flying world, you have to be vigilant. You have to be aware. Your closure rates at, you know, 10 miles in a minute. And it's very, very fast. I have to so, ask you this. Yeah. Are, are you as surprised as I am that the FFDO program is still going? Because it really was set up for failure. 
No, they wanted it to fail. They did. They, they, they said, hey, hey, we're going to start a program. It'll fail because we're going to make these guys pay their own way. Uh, <laughs> One week of school. So, yeah, we're going to make it so difficult for them to carry these weapons that they won't want to do it. <laughs> yep. And uh, and I tell you, that was I did that for 10 years. And, and when I my last five years, I was flying international and I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't carry weapons because we're overseas all the time, Mm -hmm. but I kept my status. I kept training with them because the standard operating procedures, I'll say this correctly. The SOPs said you, whenever you got on a commercial flight in the United States, you could take your weapon if you were going to train. Yep. So whenever I went to go visit grandchildren and children anywhere in the United States, (laughs) there was training involved somewhere. I was always trained. And so I always carried my weapon with me so which was totally legal well you weren't uh, going to let that. them get the best and i think that's really what no. happened to a lot of the pilots was they may want this thing to fail and all this stuff i have to tell tom the funniest part yeah, and, and what was hilarious about it to me i've never been a cop but i had more common sense than who was setting <laughs> up this program but they actually were required to put a lock in the trigger of a loaded weapon Mm-hmm. Even the uh, lock company said, "Yeah, you don't that's do not that. a good idea." And no, they had idea. one accidental discharge that I knew of. That was one of mine at U.S. Air coming into Charlotte, because at yeah. what is it, ten thousand feet? It's it's, yeah, it's sterile cockpit. Sterile yeah. cockpit, no talking, no nothing. So he had put the lock in. Thought he had seated it in the holster. Put the lock <laughs> in. Realized he hadn't done the back strap. The lock was in front of the trigger. Uh, Thank God he was left seat, not right seat. If he'd been right seat, he'd have shot the, the pilot. And shot a halt. Nobody on the plane even knew. And there are holes all in those planes. People don't realize <laughs> there are actually <laughs> holes in planes. It's not quite like get sucked out. Yeah. But it was the craziest program I'd ever seen. I kept going, this is stupid. Y'all are really setting this thing up to not be good. Yeah, it but was it was crazy. the devotion of, again, they're not paid extra. It's a pain in the ass. And the way they had them in boxes at one time, then they had trigger yeah, locks on them. And then, and they weren't supposed to tell anybody. You could spot them walking through the, the airport. <laughs> uh, yep, there's an FFDO. Look at the box. Yeah. Always the first one to board the airplane. Yeah, too. that too. And you just thought, why would y'all want this to fail? But it didn't because of people like Moose. Yeah. But I don't know how many there even are anymore. Um I, I can't. Classified, but it, it, the truth probably. is, there's probably more. Uh, there's more FFDOs than there are air marshals. Mm-hmm. I know. And of course, yeah, you know, it looks like our air marshals are on the uh, the border. Right, they're playing so, border so, patrol right now. <laughs> thank, thank goodness we still got these guys that are willing to carry weapons, and and it was a good program. I I I really enjoyed it. I, I loved every bit of it. The concept was great. They just right. had some crazy stuff and talking about the Israelis and and profiling and stuff because. I was speaking at the Aviation Security Forum one year in D.C. where all of these FFDOs and yeah. everybody was. And that's when I met Rafi. Yeah. And yeah. Rafi Ron, who was uh, an Israeli specialist in this stuff. And he looked at me one day and he goes, Susan, I hope you don't get offended. And I started laughing. I said, that'd be hard to do. And he goes, you stupid Americans. And I started laughing. And I went, which part? And he goes, yeah. you profiled the bottle of water. That yeah, somebody leaves exactly. sitting, not the person that set it yeah. down. And I went, so, so, that's a good It's point. funny you should say that. I use it all the time when I talk to people that want to do church security or wherever I am. And I'm going on a training. And I say, you, you look you look for the uh, bomber, not the bomb. <laughs> you know? Right. So when, you're, when you've got grandma in a wheelchair and you've got to get her strip searched because grandma's <laughs> in the wheelchair and we don't know if she has a pen knife or a pocketbook. <laughs> so, you know, or really nail funny. clippers. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flew all over the world. And I, and I was in, uh, might have been Japan. I'm, I think it was Japan. And I'm going through, I'm going to go get on this, the 777. There's two pilots. I own the airplane, and I'm walk- and I had the uh, the little Red Cross um, pocket knife, the red one. I can't even remember what, who sells those, but I had that. It had one one Swiss knife Army, on one yeah, Swiss Army, <laughs> and it had one one blade on it, and it had clippers and a little. Oh, and, and so when they took it from me, I looked at him. I said, "You know what I'm getting ready to do? I'm getting ready to go out there right now and fly this airplane with uh, 300,000 pounds of fuel." 
and you're taking my pocket knife? You gotta be kidding me. Well, isn't there something <laughs> called a, a, a flight, an axe on the flight deck too? That oh, yeah, take crash people, axe, absolutely. It'll take sure. people's heads off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to mention you can fly the plane right into whatever you want to fly. Exactly. So, yes. So so my background was very interesting. And uh, but I wasn't so I, I'm now the president of the vigilance group. That's what I do. And so the vigilance group teaches vigilance, awareness, avoidance, action. And I, and I focused my attention, and this is, you and I were friends and early friends when they had the tragic murder at Auburn University in 2008. Yep. Uh, I was doing, uh, between 2002, even when I was with FedEx in those early days, I was doing anti-terrorism assessments for hospitals mm-hmm. on the side, just strictly on the side. I had, because I realized after 9-11 that the government wasn't going to protect us. We were going to have to protect ourselves. Exactly. And uh, and so I was doing that. And then there was this Virginia Tech massacre mm-hmm. in 2007. Mm-hmm. A guy named Cho. And he had a handgun and killed 35 people. And it was all students, college kids yep. at Virginia Tech. And and, and I, when that happened, I went, that's a terrorist act. Mm-hmm. I should be worried about terrorism in the United States and, and not necessarily the foreign terrorists. And then exactly nine months later, a little freshman named Lauren Burke was abducted at gunpoint in the parking lot at Auburn, yep. sexually assaulted, shot, murdered. And, uh, and, and the, the way I know this is my daughter was a sorority chapter advisor at Auburn for a sorority. She calls me the day they found her body. They, the little girl was left to die and, and she did. And, uh, they, and her car was set on fire back at the, school parking lot where he had taken it back and left it to burn the DNA. My daughter called me and said, dad, there's something terrible has happened. There's this, this little girl's been murdered. We're scared to death. These girls are scared to death. Would you come speak to my sorority? Well, I had, you know, all this background I've just kind of shared with you. And I've been doing anti-terrorism stuff. I'd been with the Israelis. I said, sure, I'll come down on Friday. Just I'll speak to your girls. Well, the athletic director was Jay Jacobs, who's now mm-hmm. at the University of Florida, dear friend. And he, uh, he gave me the basketball arena and I spoke to 2000 girls. <laughs> I mean, that was just from my heart. I didn't have PowerPoint. I didn't have anything. I just talked from my heart. And, uh, and afterwards, uh, Jay Jacobs called me up and he said, Hey, would you come back and speak to all my coaches <laughs> and their families? And I'll pay you. That's what he told me. That was the operative word. And I'll pay you. <laughs> and I didn't even know what to charge. Susan, you've been We in talked this about this. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I, I went back. I invited Susan. I think you came in and sat in on that. I did. And from that visit, I went to Auburn six times over the next three years, speaking to sororities. And then I, I started, and I was doing this while I was flying for FedEx. He was also and, selling. I don't know if you still have the spikies. spikies I, I still have them. I, I can't. I've given all mine away. Okay, I need you're another get one. one. You'll and get one. It is what the is it? coolest thing. Do you have one there that you can show Tom? Uh, it's not in front of me right now, but doggone it. I will uh, but I'll send you one. You put it on your website. Okay. It's uh, called a spiky. It's plastic. You can kill somebody with it, but a child can't get hurt playing with it. <laughs> it is the coolest it's thing. It really it's is. A, it's a, it's made, it made out of polymer, won't yep. break the skin. Uh, so, and I will share with you, it's a, it's a, like a keychain. I've okay. carried it all over the world. Mine was taken by the by the uh, TSA, and uh, I got. I'm in uniform, <laughs> and they took it from me. That uh, that makes no sense to me. You know what? Was, they tried was, to take it from me in an airport, and I told them it was a, a Tibetan religious was, symbol because <laughs> yeah, it, it had no metal in it. Tool. I tell everybody it's a massage tool. Yeah, uh, but it's made out of polymer. But I went to Israel and and uh, and trained um, with the the man that invented it. Uh, Sapir um, is is his first name, um, and and he wore me out with it. Uh, <laughs> but I still have these spikies, and I and when I do my training classes. So now here I focus on. I tell. I don't, I don't deal with people that are security teams and shooters and ex army, because you know what, and cops, you know, everybody knows you have your protocols, mm-hmm. you have, and how to respond to it. Yep. So I teach 90% of Americans that have never shot a gun, never been in the service, never been in military or, or law enforcement on on how to effectively recognize danger and respond to it. So I call it the art of fighting without fighting. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I know how to fight, but I want them to understand how to not fight. And if you and if you have to fight, you have to be very violent about it, and you mm-hmm. have to damage. Well, and the and thing so, about the spiky is in holding it, it yeah. really puts you in a mindset. Yeah, just exactly. walk into your car that would probably ward off a lot of mm-hmm. people anyway. It does. And because it's not, again, you can put your keys on the end of it. So you're not fumbling through your purse, looking for your keys and stuff. But it, it, you grab that thing and it's just something about walking with it that you feel like Hmm. I used, I was like, come on, somebody, I, you know, I was ready for somebody to come after me. And (laughs) I I never had had brass knuckles without (laughs) the enclosures on them. Yes. Made out of plastic. Yes. It's a fascinating tool. It is. uh, And I call it a thinking, you know, the key is not to fight, Mm -hmm. never to fight. Uh, but if well, now some it. of us would like to be challenged every now and then, but I, I haven't know, had that I opportunity. <laughs> I get I get accused of that sometimes. Uh, so that that is the core business, and let me tell you, and I'll talk about some of the things that have happened. But you know, our most vulnerable in our society—can you say Moscow, Idaho? Yes. Uh, and, and and so door unlocked for kids that you know I call exactly. it uh, location immunity. I'm right. at the University of Idaho. Nothing bad happens here. Exactly. You know, it's a small town up here, mm-hmm. I'm, college I'm, town. You know, I'm in great shape here, uh, and I'm not blaming them. I'm, trust me, I don't blame victims mm-hmm. because. And then we had Elijah Fletcher in, in Memphis mm-hmm. that they found her body a week later, and there was a young mom that was jogging at 4:30 in the morning. And the first thing I tell everybody, hey, you can jog at 4:30. That's your that's your right. Sure. Get the right not sure. to be a victim. Mm-hmm. However, if you're going to jog at 4:30 in the morning, there's some things you need to understand. Mm-hmm. And that people are violent. And and so I tell people I teach how to live safely in a dangerous world. And it's an ugly world. And um, it know, is. It's a crazy world and right now. Yeah, it's not just ugly. It Right is wrong and wrong is right. And everybody's yeah, yeah. upside it's, down. So the vigilance thing. So I, I'm, I do a lot of mother daughter and I do a lot of now I'm, the businesses are calling me because they realize that, you know, when you hit 60 percent of the workforce are women. Yeah. 60 percent. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a big corporate community. And, uh, you know, when if you have somebody that, that gets harmed going to or from their car, there is some fiduciary responsibility mm-hmm. on who you work for. Right. And sure. once you hear at 730 in the morning, you're going to park in that parking lot that's two blocks away and you won't get off till after it gets dark because it's 430. And, and most so, security is unarmed and is Lieutenant yes, Colonel Grossman yes. says, no man without a gun should ever be called security. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a fascinating uh, concept. And so what I do is I, I, I teach what could, bad, what could happen bad. And one of the examples is Molly Tibbetts. Molly Tibbetts was in Iowa. She was the jogger that was jogging and was missing for about a week mm-hmm. and Law enforcement did an unbelievable job. They go through people's ring systems and they see a, a blue car pacing her while she's jogging. She was out jogging by herself uh, in, in the cornfields out in the country. And uh, and this guy is was an, was an immigrant. Uh, it has nothing to do with the story. It was a crime of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he, he gets upside of her. He starts pacing her and starts mouthing off to her. Like, hey, babe, I, you know, I want you. And he pulls his car in front of her and stops it, and she keeps jogging past him. Then he starts jogging with her. And uh, and I share this story with my with my young women. And then the first thing I asked him, what should she have done when he stopped the car? Turn around, go the other direction. Go the other way. You know, to, to, to remove a... Uh, to avoid a crime of opportunity, remove the opportunity. Sure. And, uh, and so she didn't. She threatens him, and then you know, then he claims he blacked out. You know, he lawyered up. He I blacked out, and and when they, I had this body in the back of my car, and I buried her in a cornfield. So, uh, and that's the problem with women. And this is what I tell uh, officers who whose wives want to carry guns, and I go, and that's great, huge supporter of it. But the reality is, is don't get them all wrapped up in these semi-automatics. All they need is if they're not going to be out shooting and doing simunition training, mm-hmm. all that stuff, all they need is a is a revolver. Yeah. And now that Ruger and things are making nine millimeter, because y'all get spun up about a thirty-eight. I can put somebody down with a thirty-eight, <laughs> but but the problem That's is right. women let people, we trust people, we let people get too close. Yeah. And a yeah. semi-automatic's gonna be out of battery, they're not gonna clear it. 
Yeah. It's not necessary. But women are bad about, oh, he's not really going to do something yeah. until they're too close and they and do it's something. too late. Yeah. Yes. So, Susan, when we when I come out there to teach, you'll be my partner. Sure. Because you're, you're talking exactly because it's, a, you know, trust is earned never given. Right. And right. 85% of, of your sexual assaults on women are somebody they know. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, he's in my class. Uh, he's the barista at the coffee shop. Must be a nice uh, guy. He wouldn't let me know when he's Yes. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And so... Um, I'm a big believer in, in that space. And one of the things mm -hmm. I demonstrate when I have my, all these women together and, and I would do it with you, Susan, I would say, okay, Susan, come here, get in the middle of the floor. And then I, I get so close to you. I'm not touching you, but I'm within an inch of you. Mm -hmm. And then I turn to the audiences and they're all, they're uncomfortable. Yeah. And I say, is that sexual assault or not? And I say, yes. Mm -hmm. You can't take your space away like that. You have every right. So I, I get into, I have to show the bad stuff mm -hmm. and what, could have happened and what maybe if they had done the right thing, I asked them. And then the second half of the class is like that spiky. I introduce ways to damage. And so. <laughs> yeah. My Marine son, he looks at this thing and he goes, that ain't going to hurt me. Really son. Come here. Popped him in the chest one time. And he was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. You should say that. Susan, because I, when I show some of these techniques to these ladies, and first of all, I tell them right off the bat, the, the groin is, everybody thinks I got to strike them in the groin, but the eyes are the most sensitive mm -hmm. nerve ending in the body. Yep. And so you've got the head has uh, airways, it has blood flow, and it has nerve endings. Sure. And to me, I can get a thumb inside an eye socket pretty quick and, and I can, I can take a, an eyeball out. Mm -hmm. And so when I tell this to women, they go, oh, I could never. And, and so, <laughs> by the way, a sharp pencil is probably the best way you can have in your hand if it's I not agree. a weapon yep. because you, you can go right into soft tissue. But when I, when I taught this subject, you know, you guys know with your background, you put me high on drugs or meth, man, I'm not going to feel any pain. That's get right. me in the genital area all day long, I'll never feel it. Sure. If my eyeball is hanging down around my cheek, <laughs> then I may not feel that pain. But I know something's wrong. Right. Might have a little or, impact. Yeah. <laughs> Can't or see nearly I, as well. <laughs> a baseball bat and, and, and crushes kneecap and his ACL and his MCL, he may not feel that pain, but the leg won't work. Right. And that's, the you know, and I, I go through all this because I want them to understand there's something in their brain. Now, the number one thing, so audience that's listening, whoever picks up and listens to your, body, your podcast, and, and you'll both agree to this. Never, I'm going to foot stomp, even though I can't foot stomp. <laughs> you never go to a second location. Never right. get moved to a second right. location. Period. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You fight I, I, I and stay where you are. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather be shot yep. where I am and get medical attention. Yes. And one, and one of the, and I tell women this all the time. And so here's the statistic I always, and it's almost unbelievable. 100% of the time, if you're abducted at gunpoint or a knife, and put into a car 100% of the time, you're going to be physically assaulted, mm -hmm. sexually assaulted, or murdered, or all three. all three. Yep. There's no happy ending. There's none. <laughs> right. And, and so I, I, I tell them that. And, and your best bet, and of course, having gone through the air marshal program, and I tell, I tell people, and, and cops know this as well, they, they put us on the gun range, we shoot, you know, one meter, three meters, and then we go to seven meters and we shoot. And, and I tell people, you know why I only shot 21 or 22 feet? They wanted me to hit the target. <laughs> that's right. And yeah. That, and, and that is a, that's in a gun range. Wait till your target starts running. From. Yeah. Well, and for yeah. them, it always made me laugh. They had all the pilots shooting square to a target. And I'm thinking, he ain't coming through the windshield. <laughs> that's yeah. right. He's coming over <laughs> your shoulder, boys and girls. So now you've got to get up, get turned yeah. up. Sure, that's a good plan. But anyway, go it's ahead. It's <laughs> hard to do because most gun ranges aren't going to train tactically and all that. The best yeah. thing we had was the was the computer training, and yep. that was the best training we had. So, all, all these things when I teach, I want them to fully understand uh, they have the right not to be a victim. Mm -hmm. You have the right to live. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you have the right to damage. Mm -hmm. You have you have the right to hit first. Uh, these are the things they have to understand, and so. My key audience are women, obviously, because I've tried to train guys. They know everything. Sure, you know, of course. Know you know, and you big macho them, man. Yeah, yeah. You can't tell them anything, and um, but women will will listen to you because we raise our daughters 
to be gentle spirits, gentle lambs. Don't don't hit baby brother in private area. Don't pull hair. Don't scream. Don't fight. And then we send them off to, to dance lessons and piano <laughs> lessons. And, and and then we send them to, to college at 18 and they're gorgeous with no skill set. Right. So I try to introduce that. And, and, and it's really funny. You know, you have to put a price on everything. Oh, yeah. And, and people, what they don't understand, they know the word vigilance. I mean, you, you charge for vigilance. Why, why do you do that? And I said, well, you know what, what is your daughter have a, a $800 iPhone in her pocket? And what is she driving? Mm-hmm. And, and I try to tell them, I'm going to save your daughter's life. I'm going to tell her one time. I had a little girl. She was a freshman at Auburn. Her mother, God rest her soul, is, is no longer with us. But her mother called me and said, would you go to Auburn and speak to my daughter? Gorgeous girl, sorority girl. So I go down there on a Sunday. It was after a football game. So I go down there on Sunday. My wife and my daughter's there. And we're just, because my daughter lives there. And it was rainy. And there's maybe 15 girls that on a Sunday morning decided they could get down to the chapter room, which was fine. It was gratis. And I trained this little girl. Six months later, pre-COVID, COVID's just kicking in. She goes to Buckhead, Georgia, in Atlanta. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk. I'll tell you what. I, okay. Used to be a really good place, but I understand that it's really a problem now. Yeah, it is. And so she goes with boyfriend, this 19 years old, Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve, your typical gets in a spat with boyfriend. I'm leaving the bar. I'm going to go back to where their apartment or hotel, wherever it was, comes outside, calls Uber, calls Uber, starts walking down to where she thinks she's going to catch the Uber ride. And she sees two police officers that are there and their, their marked cars pulled over and she's walking towards them. But there's four men behind her and she knows they're following. They're pacing her. They're closing. She feels it, senses it, spidey senses. She goes to police officers, doesn't say anything about the bad guys, just says, where's Uber? And as long as she crosses the street, young lady, go down one more block. Nobody's behind her. She crosses the street. About the time she reaches the Uber, the four guys are behind her. When the door comes open, the Uber, which is probably a setup, it may not even mm-hmm. be an Uber driver or he's in on the deal. The gun comes out from one of the four men, tells her to get in the car. And so this is, if I died today, this is my one save. And she says, she told her mom, all I could remember is Moose said, I can't go. And she knocked the gun with her hand and ran across the street in Buckhead screaming. Now, guess what? The bad guys don't shoot. They don't come after because guess they wanted her. They didn't want her shot. They didn't want her dead. They didn't want to get caught. So that gun's a tool of intimidation. Right. Well, they right. probably didn't expect that reaction exactly. either. No, they didn't. No. She runs across to the police officers and she tells them. And they say, young lady, we're the second leading city in the United States for sex trafficking. He said, we have a terrible problem here in Buckhead. And then, of course, I did more research when I found this out from my parents. And the number, the number, uh, I heard this, it's number one, number two, or number three, but in the top five is Interstate 20 from Atlanta to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. It's one of our biggest Jeez. sex trafficking uh, areas. And so I've got unbelievable opportunity to try to help people. It's a passion. Well, Phoenix is up there in that top part too because again so much stuff coming through here out of the border and stuff have you been out here and taught at any of the universities no, well it's funny you should say that i went and spoke to a truck trailer manufacturers convention in fort myers now i didn't know anything about this industry truck trailers like lamar trailers mm-hmm. and these big trailers there it's there are probably maybe 15 20 families that own the trailer industry it's like it's a very conservative industry Passed down generation to generation. So I'm speaking to all the wives. There may be a hundred wives in the room while the guys are out playing golf in this convention. A lady stands up, raises her hand. I said, are there any questions? She had a lot of bling on, looked very well to do, maybe probably a little older than me, perhaps. And she says, uh, I got a question. What do you do for road rage? I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> and we're out there for the winter time. Is that That's a problem in Scottsdale? So she says, I live in Scottsdale, and the road rage out here is crazy. People will flip you. I think she's talking Phoenix. And yes. they'll flip you off. They'll try to run you off the road. They honk their horns. They're just ugly. And I feel, you know, don't respond. Mm-hmm. You got your phone in your car? Call 911. Mm-hmm. Tell me somebody's trying to kill you right now. Mm-hmm. Tell them you're on Lincoln and wherever, and that you're trying to run off the road. But you can't respond to that. 
Right. Uh, you know, as soon as you flip them back off, uh, you pull over, yeah. you know, that's, that's, you know, you're inviting so problems. Was she disappointed in your answer? No, I told okay. her because I tell young people all the time that, uh, you know, when they're either babysitting or when they're driving cars, I said, you know, law enforcement's got a lot to do, but they want to keep bad guys off the street. They don't mm -hmm. want you to get hurt. They don't want to have to fill out the paperwork when they find your body sitting next to a highway <laughs> right. to figure out what, what, what in the hell happened to you when it could have been prevented. Sure. So I, I try to open up a lot of these kids' eyes. I try to teach them. You know, Nashville has become the it city. I live in Nashville. Mm -hmm. I'm not so happy that it's become the it city mm -hmm. because there's too many people here now and it's it's insanity downtown. I used to go downtown all the time. But and we are oh by the way, the bachelorette capital of the United States. What? Bachelorette parties. Bachelorette <laughs> oh yeah. I wow. promise you. Susan, if I went downtown right now on a Thursday afternoon, there'll be because they wear all the t shirts and the oh, you yeah. know all the bling, yeah. Yeah, all the bling and they come here for one reason. There are no rules. I can drink. I can, you know. So you're the East Coast version of Vegas. Is what you're telling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Or Mardi Gras. Yes. But wow. so I've really started uh, marketing more than I ever have. It's mm -hmm. been a word of mouth business. But I, I got a call from um, from Indiana University Medical School. Nice. And they called me, and this was fascinating to me as you start a business. They said, and the first thing I said when the girl called me, and I was in California visiting kids, she she said, "Do you do active shooter training?" I said, "Yes, I do active shooter response training, not, mm -hmm. not from a law enforcement perspective. They've got their protocols; they know what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. sure. But I tell people all the time, if you're in a room, whether it be school, an auditorium, the theater, you are the first responder. Yes, there's no there's no police officers that are going to save you. Right. You have to figure out how to stay alive for three to seven minutes. Yep." What's your plan? Yes. And so I, I try to make sure they understand that. So when I do active shooter training, I, I show them what, a, what a, a weapon looks like and how it operates, a semi-automatic weapon. I show them and I bring the rubber duckies and the rubber training rifles, and I want them to understand it. I mean, how it works. And then I get into the statistics that we had in the Air Marshal Service about, you know, how much you'll miss between zero and six feet and then between six <laughs> feet and 12 feet and then and how, how much you'll miss between outside of 12 feet. And that's under stress. So I I, sh I want them to know, you know, right now active shooters happen in bars, sure. happen in right. restaurants, sure. happen on the street, happen in church. Well, heck, we just had one here in Amazon's parking lot. Yeah. Yes. Yesterday or day before? Yesterday, actually. Yeah. It, it, it had a discrimination. And I know we have a mental health problem. And, and I don't get into the, you know, when I got asked by folks that don't believe like I believe. And they said, well, you know, we have a gun problem. I said, well, let me give you the list of why I think we're having a problem in this country. And guns are going to be number nine or number 10 mm -hmm. because it starts with no families. It starts with no fathers. It starts with, you know, the breakdown of our society. It starts with gamers. It starts with everything that internet pornography, you can go on. And I haven't even mentioned guns yet. Right. <laughs> guns are just one of many tools. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just a tool. Yes. So, you know, and certainly in Idaho, it's a knife, not a gun. Are you still so, teaching Krav Maga? He's, this, Moose is actually the one who introduced me to it. Okay. Well, and, uh, you know, uh, it's really funny. I, uh, the school that I was part of, uh, I'm not part of that anymore. Mm -hmm. I teach it, but I call it self-defense. Okay. <laughs> you know, because I want them to understand uh, on some of the things. And so I, I really do employ a lot of it mm -hmm. in terms of how you do your strikes and the and the hammer fist and, and the palm strikes and the, but when, when you get into defending your life or you're trying to save your child, then there are no rules. Right. There are no rules. Right. And, and, and that, you know, that's where this is the Israeli mentality. You come at me with a rock. I'm going to come back at you with an M16. <laughs> uh, there's there's you nothing know, wrong with that yeah, philosophy. Right. <laughs> no, if, if you're going to violate, then, then I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen again. And I'm going to be deadly about it if I have to be. So Well, and I think women, too, are intimidated by the martial arts. Because so yes. much of it, it and at least in our perception to you introduce me to Krav, was that there's so much form to it and that right. kind of stuff. And yeah. this is just flat out street fighting Brutal. that, exactly. you know, the elbow is the hardest part of your, you drive the, yeah. and somebody's nose, 
you know, and yeah, ways to I, I get out I love the of fact it. that you remember that, Susie. Absolutely. That, that is the most important part. You know, we do gross motor skills stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, there's companies out there that teach uh, the fine motor skills. Well, if he puts his hand around my throat, I'm going to grab his little finger, I'm going to pull mm -hmm. his little finger back, and I'm going, nope. holy cow. You'll never find his fingers. Yeah, right. And not with adrenaline pump and cognitive mm -hmm. function got, stops, and you better you be ready for hard. gross motors. Um, yep. So the gross motor skills, I, I'm a big believer in. The, the real key is not to get in a fight. Yeah. The real key is if you're working at the, uh, and this is a tragedy that happened, to, and I don't remember her name, the 19-year-old Los Angeles girl that was in the furniture store by herself at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and a guy came in there uh, and 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 uh, killed her right there on the spot. Yeah. And she was by herself in a multi-million dollar furniture store. And I tell people all the time, I'm a, uh, uh, if, you're, if you're a receptionist and you are manning the door, door's not locked because it's open to the public, have something that you can legally have. I'm a big bear deterrent. You know, Saber <laughs> makes a, a, a nine ounce bear deterrent that, that when you fill them up and it, it will, it will do it. You got to go to the hospital. Exactly. Sure. sure. You got to go to the hospital. It comes out with such force. Uh, and I, I told a friend of mine who was at the YMCA, I love her. She's a good, she's a friend of mine. And I said, Hey, what do you have here? You're here from four 30 in the morning. And then there's been shootings and in, in clubs and most of them are domestic. You know, my ex-wife is there mm -hmm. and I, she's, she's got a boyfriend there. I mean, that's what I worry about. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, you need pepper gel. Or pepper spray. Um, we, you know, we can't have that because we have kids here at the Y. And, and I tell anybody that says that, I said, well, it's self-corrective. They'll do it one time. Exactly. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, they'll spray. It was not lethal. They may cough and they're going to get in trouble. They'll never touch it again. <laughs> my uh, guys laugh at me because I have a red man stick in my office. Yeah. And they'll go, why do you have that? And I said, "Because you don't do what I tell you to do. I'm too old to put hands on. And I had one guy go, well, that doesn't bother me. And so I opened a drawer and I pulled out the Kimber OC oh, gun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. orange gun. That And, and he's looking yeah. at it. And I he's thought going, it was a toy when I first saw it. And I, yeah, it's yeah, not a toy. That's the whole no. point of it. Yeah, look at stuff. Susan's silly little toy gun. Yeah, yeah watch right. this. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's really funny. The uh, women, I don't train. I did it one time, Susan. I went to Auburn to, to speak when they invited me back. Sororities and fraternity pledges together boys nice. and girls. i thought i could pull it off but bo the boys weren't mature enough they couldn't they were 18 or 19 years old they aren't at 30 in this yeah in the same audience so i don't mix i don't mix boys and girls and, and the other reason is i don't want to intimidate the girl i want the girl mm -hmm. to show me what she's never done before yep S scream as loud as she's ever screamed hit this pad as hard as she can hit, hit bob with the throat strike I want her to do all of that, and she won't do it in front of a, a peer that's a male. Right. They're usually intimidated by that. So, sure. I, well, I the guys have to try to be macho in front of the girls oh, too, and you just go, "Yeah, okay, you know nothing." Yeah, no, no, I know that. So the big, I, that's what my passion is now. So I've retired twice. <laughs> you will. You're like me, Moose. I, you will never no. retire ever, so not permanently. I, I don't need to do this, but it, God is, is just on my heart. I have to do it. Mm -hmm. And I have to train as many as I can. And uh, so the, the Indiana University wants me to do active shooter training for 330 medical students. Nice. And from nine different campuses. So I said, I can do that. How uh, long is your training now? How, how long are they giving well, you? Well, you know, it, it, so if I go in. Two and a half hours, three hours is the tops. And, mm -hmm. and the reason I, I do that, if you want more, call me. But I there's a there's a RAD system that's out of Louisiana. It's a for-profit company that teaches rape aggression defense system. And, and I will, I'll never bad mouth it. It's a week long. So here's how they do it. Hey, Susan, you and your daughter, we're having RAD classes Monday through Friday. So we want you there every night from uh, 7 to 9.30. And it's for five straight days. Can you do that? Nope possible and, nope. and you know so why why introduce something nobody's going to attend so i'll say you know what i'm going to give you two and a half hours of something to be very powerful sure i know a lot more but what i'm going to give you is to avoid the fight and if you're in the fight uh, and i and i always do this to who's ever there and i grab some young lady that i don't know and i'll say if i if a, if you're grabbed violently by a stranger you have to assume it's your last day on earth 
and there, there's now no rules. Mm-hmm. So if he's got my right hand, my left thumb's going to his eyeball. Mm-hmm. I'll just try to pluck it out. And and I show how to get out of, I show how to get out of, of uh, how to get it off from the bottom. If somebody straddled you in the guard position, if you will, how to get up from that. I show how to get out of bear hugs, and I show how to get out of wrist, wrist grabs. And, and then invariably they say, well, you know, I did this to my boyfriend or my husband, and he held me so tight I couldn't get out. And I said, well, did you gouge his eyeballs? <laughs> did you hit him in a private area? No, I didn't want him mad at me. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course the answer is, of course not. I said, well, you have to understand when you're fighting for your life, you're fighting for your life. You know, mm-hmm. one of the most valuable lessons you taught me, though, was if someone grabs you from the front, don't pull away. No. Go in. Mm-hmm. And that would never have occurred to me. Most honey, you impacted me a lot on that <laughs> on that training because again, that is somebody's natural reaction. And you talking about how they'll say, Yeah, I need you from this hour to that hour yeah. for five nights. Too many people have the mindset it'll never happen to me. Oh yeah. And so no, I'm not gonna no, I can't give you five nights a week for that much. No, absolutely not, because I'm not gonna be a victim anyway. But the things that you taught were so practical as you explained them. Because the pulling well, away is useless. The pulling away is, so when you do that, so the Israelis taught me always to attack the attack. Mm-hmm. Always attack the attack. So if you're trying to pull away, it's a geometry problem. You're pulling one force, he's pulling another force, and you're trying to get your hands to go up or to go down to get out of the wrist grab. So why not? That negative force you're trying to pull away, going to him. And the man's going to win almost 99.9 yeah, because win. of upper body. So why am I, yeah. why am I wasting right. my energy? I'm, I'm glad you remember that. Of That's course it. I That's do. It. I'm telling you. you <laughs> have. That is really one of the better things. And then uh, I introduced the Bob and the throat strike. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just go right for the larynx. I don't try to be fancy and get the carotid artery or the, the vagus nerve. Just go right and crush their larynx. Exactly. Because they go, uh, it takes the fight right out of them yeah it does take the fight and and most importantly and here's how i describe it you're trying to find through four to five seconds of space and separation Mm -hmm. you're not hanging around for the fight you're not going to try to finish them off no well now well now wait a minute now Now, there's some (laughs) come on Um, i always have one or two on susan well wait i can get him one more yeah how dare him I'm gonna, I think I can crush his teeth. That's right. I got away from him, but I got to teach him a lesson now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm getting yeah. away to get the the, the the gun out. You know, it's funny because I, I see so your, your experience and your both of you uh, skill set, and I don't have the skill set I had when I was going to training all the time, and I and I know that. Me either. And, I, and I'm the first to admit that I don't mm-hmm. go to the gun range like I used to. Um, trying to protect the weapon. I mean, all those things. Now, I will still conceal carry. Uh, when I feel like mm, my spidey senses are up, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it with me today. But the, the, I had a real estate lady, I, I go and train some real estate agents and this lady, she said, well, I'm thinking about getting a gun. Never had a gun before. Oops. I said, oh, really? She says, what do you think? And I said, well, I'm just going to give you some, uh, you've got to conceal it where it can't be found. You got to be able to pull it from your body in three seconds. You got to be able to shoot accurately three rounds right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more importantly, you got to be ready to kill someone mm-hmm. because that's what's why you're pulling. Exactly. Them. Right. You're not pulling to say halt or scare them. them the nope. You're going you're to shoot them until they're not moving anymore. And then the last thing I want to tell you is that you're going to be arrested. You're going to mm-hmm. be put in handcuffs and you're going to be put in a car and you probably got to get a lawyer, mm-hmm. even though you've done everything right. I said, so just those are the things you need to consider. If you're going to be concealed carry on the job, real estate. So now let me go to another set. Don't be in that house by yourself. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. if you're doing an open house, have a friend be with you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of gadgets on the street and gadgets are fine. And, you know, well, I'm going to push this button and it's going to on my phone and it's going to tell everybody where I am and where my, <laughs> and I said, that's great. But can you stay alive for 30 seconds? Because of, you're, you've got to figure out how to defend yourself. Exactly. Yep. And uh, I gadget said, so, better be a tool I can use, not something right, I can yeah, push. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, so otherwise you're wasting time trying to figure out how do I push exactly. this button again? It did it work. <laughs> One of my gadgets I always have that I can clear from my body in about a second, a second is a three and a half inch auto opening knife. Yep. 
and and I and I, I have no desire to get in a knife fight with anyone. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, if I can draw blood on them, that fight's probably over with, mm-hmm. and I can run. And I do tell that to women. And if you can't carry a knife, then a good number two pencil in your hand because it will penetrate the throat, mm-hmm. absolutely, and the eyes and the cheek and the earlobes. And I said it's a non-lethal weapon unless they keep it in them for a week, and then they may get. Well, I have to laugh because I was on a flight one time going down to teach the FBI in South Mm -hmm. Florida, and I had somebody a couple of rows in front and some behind, and I was teaching uh, international terrorism at the time. A little too much knowledge that probably didn't work well. But anyway, but I'm on this plane. We're at 36,000 feet, and this guy's strapping boxes on his body with with ropes no, no, and I, no. oh oh yeah and i'm sitting there and i'm watching this guy doing that and then i got two of them in behind me watching him so i'm figuring trial run and i'm sitting there literally with a pencil and i'm thinking <laughs> i'm at thirty-eight thousand feet if those are bombs i don't think that pencil's going to do much <laughs> for me but at least i got something that's right and the fbi agents that met me at the airport i was given they took me to the jttf and we reported everything going back to the hotel and one of them starts laughing i said what are you laughing at because i was talking about my pencil he goes it occurred to me that if you'd been sitting behind him or beside him we would have been at the airport in a different capacity that's right he said you would have stabbed him grabbed the ropes wrapped him up bound him put him in the overhead yeah. bin <laughs> so he was arrested this was a real this is a real story the guy was doing this and Yeah, but he was not arrested, but it opened the eyes to everybody in the airline industry because it wasn't several weeks later that U.S. Air had one going from like Philly to Pitt, and the guy started this, and they put that plane down and got him off, and it was, he claimed it was prayer boxes or something, but the flight attendants were doing nothing. I mean, I was getting their attention going, oh, sir, are you okay? Is it medical? And I thought, oh, honey, you're useless. Get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. move. Yeah. And uh, uh, But, uh, yeah, it was those kinds of things. But the only thing I had was a pencil or a pen. Well, if you're behind, you could put him to sleep. I, I do teach know. that. And yeah. Sometimes it's important just to go to sleep. You That's know, true. You can <laughs> put him in a guillotine chokehold in just 10 seconds or they're night-night. Yeah. And you can figure it out later. <laughs> well, he was actually facing the back of the plane, though. He stood up. And was oh facing goodness. the back of the plane. Why he's putting on his boxes. Yes. And I now. was like, okay, what am I going to do here? But I'm going to do something. I'm not going to just sit here and get blown up. We're going to yeah. try something. But, yeah, it's, you could hurt somebody with a pencil or a pen. Yeah, you can. And, oh, yeah, you can. But women don't so think that way. Well, you know, when you ask me to be on, I, I appreciate this because it gives me an opportunity just to, if nothing else, I won't. I probably will never meet any of the people on your your podcast. You but might. I want them to understand that uh, we don't have to be helpless. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have to be a victim. Right. Uh, that you you know the guys like myself and you and you two and the people that you serve with, our eyes are moving all the time. Mm-hmm. Everything has an explanation. And the Israelis said, if the, if a flag comes up, then figure out what why that flag came up. Yes. And then and then you can make that go away. Then then it's good. It, it goes away. Sure. If if but you need to you need to ask those questions, and we're in, we're in a we're in a world now, guns are everywhere, uh, in terms of people that want to do violence, mm-hmm. they want to use those guns to do violence, and so we have to be aware of that, and and it happens in churches, and it happens in grocery stores, it happens in shipping, you know, everywhere, so, elementary schools, mm-hmm. everywhere, uh, yeah. and we're not a, we're not immune. No, and, and you know what? When, when I'm glad you mentioned that, we talked about Texas when Texas had. Um, and the and everybody was, and I'm and I'm not giving any uh, pardon to the to the police community that was right. in Baldy, Texas. Sure. But the door was left open. Yes. Door was left open on the school. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if, if that door had been locked, none of this would have happened. And so I, you know, I, I tell these, I tell teachers when I talk to them about their protocols, and you know, they prop doors open. They they just don't take it serious enough. Mm-hmm. And I think we're somewhat generational. I think we have a, a generation of young people now that, you know, at the, I don't know why we're in this world, but we trust everybody mm-hmm. and, and, and nothing bad's going to happen. That's the so, key right there. Not here. Yeah. It's just little, yeah. we all know right. each other in this town. Um, I, I'm a big deal, big proponent of this uh, location immunity. Mm-hmm. I, live in, I live in Scottsdale. Nothing bad happens in Scottsdale. It's the rich and famous. 
Well, and the attitude should be, if I never have to use it, okay. But if I do need to use it, I'm going to be glad I got it. Exactly. And that I know how to use it and what I can do. And again, so much of it is awareness. You know, yeah, keeping your head out of your head, cell phone. Exa- that yeah. is the biggest problem. That's, that's that's one of our bigger issues, the cell phones. And, yes. And I think more young people tell me when I train them, well, when I'm scared, I call my boyfriend. And I say, you know what? He's going to hear you scream. That's right. That's right. You can't do anything else. That's exactly right. You can't right. do anything else. And because that gives out, that gives off such a signal that she's not paying any attention. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, put the, put the cell phone down realize but that's that's a whole different issue but are you teaching on a lot of college campuses i mean i know auburn knows you and uh i've I've been to buffalo new york to teach up there i've been to uh uh, tampa i've been to i i did all the national women's professional fast pitch softball teams to include the chinese that didn't speak any english and uh (laughs) i i they were in chicago and i was doing they were playing a chicago team and I did Chicago girls with the ladies in the morning and did the Chinese ladies in the afternoon. It was, it was kind of fascinating to watch. And you realize that they're so manipulated. They, you know, you can't go left. You can't go right. You can't do anything without being told to do it. So when I taught them, it was, they were having a blast. I bet. They, they, they couldn't do that. So I have They were not a, appreciated when they went home. Thanks right. to me. No, maybe not. They, yeah. They may not be. Yeah. The colleges are, uh, uh, I'm, I'm about to reach out to the sorority world, but the truth is my pie is so big. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my pie is so big for what I'm trying to do. I'm just, I'm trying to get the non-shooters. Sure. I'm trying to get the moms. I'm trying to get the teenage daughters from middle school and up. Uh, I get asked sometimes, will you teach my sons? And I'm very scary of that because mm-hmm. I don't want to teach a 14 year old how to do a throat strike and a, you know, on a palm strike to somebody's nose, right. you know, that's, that, that comes somewhere later when they're a little more mature than that. So, um, well, do this though, keep this in yeah. mind because I think sometimes people assume, but law enforcement spouses are, can be very leery of guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Shockingly. Yeah. I literally had a woman on my couch. Her husband's been a cop that married forever. And I asked her the question, do you carry she started crying and goes, no, I'm afraid of guns. And I thought, honey, uh, okay, then we got to come up with something for you. Right. Yeah. And, you know, she just, she literally broke down and cried. And sometimes I think officers promote that, oh, I take care of my family, so she doesn't even no, know how to use that. But you got it. That's you a know, population, uh, too, that mm-hmm. needs it. Uh, I became a service-disabled, better-known small business so I could get to the dependent wives. Because when I went to Korea for a year, I, my wife had three children. I left. Mm-hmm. And she's always told me, you know, until you left, I never worried because you were here. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I got a, you know, a, I got a safe full of guns. And she, she's not the least bit interested in my guns. And so I realized that our dependent families in the military, man, we give them families resources and the mm-hmm. PX and, and we have the base hospital and we get those kind of services. But so as I approached the military, and I can do the same for law enforcement, I said, you send a shooter overseas, and something happens to his family, yeah. he's coming home. Yep. And so you just reduce your combat effectiveness. Sure. You lose somebody that's on right. a SWAT team for an accident or a, or a transportation cop or a motorcycle cop, and something happens to his wife or his teenage daughter, mm-hmm. he's not going to work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He's going to deal with that. And uh, so I'm a big believer in trying to take care of our family. If I can take care of a, either a police officer's family and teach them how to live safely or military, then that'll make the fighting force better. Well, and especially now, because again, I mean, you're talking about Phoenix is like 2000 short in patrol. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've got officers working around the clock all the, time. all the time. We talk about Chicago. They canceled all off time. Right. These people were working 22, 41 days straight, 12 hour shifts. Uh, and they're wondering then why they have the suicides because management yeah. is stupid. And they lose their families. Yes. Right. Yes. And Which leads to the suicide. And so people have got to be more responsible for themselves because cops aren't on every corner anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And response time, I don't know what it was when you left Tempe for some of it, but I'm hearing uh, long, long time. even Especially for, in the bigger cities. Yes. Even felonies in progress. Mm-hmm. It's taking 
not five minutes, 10 minutes, but a lot longer because there are not enough people on patrol. People better be prepared to take care of themselves. Don't wait thinking law enforcement's going to get there. Mm -hmm. They want to, but they can only do so much when they're short staffed. And that's that's a problem in this in this society. I have well, to tell a, you, when I moved out here, though, I loved it because I got out here and I said, I asked somebody from Maricopa County, where do I go to get my concealed carry permit? And they're like, huh? <laughs> and I said, you know, concealed carry permit. <laughs> oh, no, no, we don't do that out here, Susan. No. Uh, welcome to the Wild West. You carry what you want, when you want, where you want. And I'm going, yeah. oh, I have found my home. Just anticipate that everybody has <laughs> that one. That was another God story. <laughs> and everybody know. in Alabama is going, oh, God, they don't know what they've got. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to send you both. I'll send you, Susan, you and I stay in touch. I'll send you information. But yeah. this was uh, a privilege for me. Well, no, we're honored. And yes, thank you. Because I, I do, I've always had such faith in that you aren't somebody who just talks the talk, you walk the walk. Well, and you stay up to date. You aren't just locked into one thing, you advance your stuff, you get the research, you know the stats, you're able to tell people this isn't just something that you might need. This is something you're probably going to need. Right. And here's why. Well, I have 11 grandchildren. And so I have 11 oh, grandchildren. I have five granddaughters and six grandsons. So I'm I'm pretty serious about this. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I knew you I was, before you had one. Yeah, yeah, you did. So and uh and my oldest one, Tom, is uh is just got home from leave. He's at the uh, Air Force Academy wow. in baseball. He's a he's a freshman at the Air Force Academy. So nice. that was a big move going from Auburn, Alabama to uh, Colorado Springs. Exactly. Have you heard how many times he's mentioned Auburn on this damn show? <laughs> a lot. Yeah, We're going to have to well, find that bleep it. button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know when I listen to this podcast, it'll never come through. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we'll let it happen. But, you know, really and truly, Moose, I'd love to get you out here with some of the trainings and stuff that we're doing and to be able to make uh, even spouses aware mm-hmm. that because honestly and truthfully out here, there's just so much going on with being so close to the border and human trafficking and all of those mm. things that are really a very serious problem. And, you know, ASU is a huge campus, yeah. as you well know, mm-hmm. right there in your backyard. And then you still got what don't we have several campuses of University of Arizona up mm-hmm. here, too? Yep. And, um, you know, we need to we need to promote and work to get you out here to okay. do some of that training and maybe get some of our spouses. I'm sitting here thinking now, you know, Chris Ferrar's mom is here by herself. Right. Yeah, she locks the door, but she's still got to walk to her car. Yeah. Uh, you know, we need to make sure there's something here in this office. Somebody break that glass in that front window. She's got nowhere to go. We exactly. got no back door. That's right. And uh, so, you know, I'd kind of like for you to work with some of our stress coaches if we can get well, you to come out what, here, let's um, let's let's look at after after Christmas and Absolutely. New Year. Absolutely, I'll be more than happy. You know, I would love to come out there and work with Absolutely. you. Absolutely, yeah. He just okay. needs to buy another plane and fly himself out here. But <laughs> well, listen, I've discovered when, when not having a plane, it's much cheaper to fly southwest than it is to own your own airplane. As long as they can get you where you're going. Yeah, but Southwest no, doesn't true. put you upside down. You know, you don't well, get to have no, the fun. No, that's true. All right. Well, I'll see about renting one now. That's all my other one. There you go. I need to do that. Okay. But we we can't thank you enough for this. And as we as we wrap this up here too, we need to mention a few more of our sponsors of this. Yeah. Softball tournament that we have. Uh, you go right ahead, okay. sir. This is your day. You can have it. <laughs> uh, so our our silver sponsors are Skaggs Public Safety Uniforms and Equipment. So, Get all your good stuff yeah, there. A lot of good stuff for law enforcement there, especially. Uh, Quantum Helicopters. Uh, if you need some you pilot go. license, there yeah. you go. You, you can start flying helicopters. I think I should do that. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, Arizona Bank and Trust, um, Property Rock Resources, Click Click Bang, which is a, a favorite. What a great gun store <laughs> name. Click Love Click name. Bang. Great name. I need to go in there. <laughs> yeah, so those are our silver sponsors for our softball tournament this coming January 7th. So and please visit yep. these these vendors and peop, uh, businesses yes. if you're out here in, in the Arizona area. And, you know, to all of our first responders, military and your families, you know, we want you to know here at Under the Shield, uh, the way we're set up, if you hadn't heard us say this, we are not mandated reporters. There's no notes, no records. Uh, you know, I'm seeing all this stuff about people calling suicide hotlines and 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 those things are great. Don't Do not get me wrong, but our, our 
our law enforcement especially needs to understand they will send people to do welfare checks because right. they have your phone number. You call our 855 number, which is 855-889-2348. Uh, hit extension 1, uh, and I'm glad you remembered it last week. You will get a stress coach, and we do not have your phone number. Please let it ring because it's rolling from one stress coach to the next to who's available. Uh, normally, it's going to be picked up within the first or second coach, right. but we just don't want you to hang up because we don't have your number. If you want to talk to me through that number, you have to hit extension two. David Cohen in Alabama is extension three. Tom is extension four. Um, my cell, which I'd love for you to call me on that, 334-324-3570. You can text me. Uh, you want to give yours? Yep. And my cell phone number is 480-861-6574. And again, we're not mandated reporters. You can call us and tell us you're whoever you want to be. We don't care. It doesn't matter because we don't have to. Um, families, that line, those lines are open to you also. You are a part of this lifestyle. And uh, again, no one will ever know you've reached out to us. Make up a name. <laughs> I've, right. had, I've actually had people call and give me my ex-husband's name. That was pretty funny. I was kind of surprised it took so long, but whatever. <laughs> Y'all are a little slow sometimes. Uh, but we here at Under the Shield appreciate all the sacrifices that all of you make, families especially, been there, done that. And uh, we just want you to know we're here to support you. We have trainings. Uh, we can bring moose in on this stuff. Uh, we have a lot of resources that we can provide. So there's nothing we don't help with. Well, you'll never hear us go, oh, that's not an area we work in. <laughs> no, we, if we don't know the answer, we'll find somebody who does. And uh, please reach out to us. It, this is a hard time of year for people. It is. It's a hard time in our country, but it's a, it's a, you know, it ain't all Hallmark moments, <laughs> as we have all found here in the holidays. And uh, so reach out to us 24-7, 365. I work seven days a week, as Tom will attest. Uh, Christmas, I've been known to be on airplanes coming back or going to help somebody. Uh, but please reach out to us. And uh, I can assure you, 30 years of doing this, we've never breached confidentiality, nor will we. And now I won't even remember when I hang up. I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're safe. <laughs> but Moose, thank you again for giving up your time and educating people. I think you've given a lot of great information and uh, we'll work to get you out to Arizona. I look forward to it. So you're a dear friend and I really appreciate this. You know, I love I'm, you. I'm, hey, brother, I love you too, sweet girl. I'll talk to y'all soon. All right. Take, goodbye. take care, everyone. And God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in.